Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Two Truths and a Lie on the Handshake Media Network. It's Uppy Chatterjee here as always. And hey, you've got Tim Carroll from Holy Holy on the phone this week. What's up, Tim? Hi, Uppy. How you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I got a couple of days off um, in the middle of this tour. So that's nice because sort of, we've done South Queensland and now we're next weekend going up north. Further up north, hey? This is a big tour. I was looking at the dates. It's like 15, 15 shows? Yeah, I mean, I'm not actually sure how many dates it is. But we're doing, yeah, it's like our album tour. So we try mm. and do like a sort of a slightly bigger one. And we are doing, we are playing some places we've never played before. So um, we've ne- never played our own shows in North Queensland. So mm. we're doing like Mackay, Early Beach, or Early Beach rather, um, Townsville and Cairns. What's the so vibe? We're going like? up to crocodile country. Um, <laughs> yeah, is the vibe bad. different in those little? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We've never been up there, so. But um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, amazing, and it takes you right till like November, which is scarily close to Christmas. It made me realize. Yeah, and then we've got a couple of other things. Actually, we just got it. We just, I think they just announced today we're playing a little festival at the Forex Brewery. Sick. Um, on the in November, so that'll kind of be stretched after the tour, and it's it's us and Confidence Man, and then Custard, what? And then Good Boy and Nice Biscuit. But I saw Custard on there, and I was like, as in the legendary Custard? What? Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I assume so. I'm like, why are they not at the top of the bill? Because <laughs> two reasons: one, they're amazing, and two, he's the voice of Bluey. You know that cartoon? Oh Bluey? yeah, is he? Yeah, he's the dad in Bluey. Oh, cute. And, yeah, that looks adorable. Like, I love that show. Yeah, it's like our very own little Blues Clues, Harry McClary mix or something. Yeah. Um, and then you you guys have dropped your own uh, your own album as opposed to dropping someone else's. Um, my <laughs> own pool of light as well. So how's that feel to get it out there? Great. Yeah, really good. Um, you know, it was it was a really exciting record to make and quite a different process. Uh, we were sort of working on it over sort of two years. Like we sort of started writing some of the songs as we were still touring the end of the last album. Wow. Um, we self-produced it. So it was just like mainly just Oscar and I like in sort of small little studios just sort of writing and composing mainly on sort of computers and, and like with synthesizers and, mm. and a few microphones. Like it was pretty like low-tech. Uh, one word that Oscar used to describe it was like sort of bedroom production sort of style. Mm. Um, and it was a bit scary cause we did, you know, at times we, I, I felt really unsure how it was going, but in the end I'm, I'm really proud of the work and, um, I think it's like an interesting collection of songs and I feel like the audit, like our fans have been really like enjoying it and, you know, it's been nice being out and playing shows and we, we always like after the shows go out and, and, um, you know, hey. yeah, we, we sort of we start we sign stuff and take photos for mm. like an hour after every show, and it's a it's a good opportunity to kind of meet people and hear you know hear their stories and there's all kinds of songs that people are connecting with, so I feel like it's gone down pretty well, really. I haven't read too many reviews. I think they're some decent ones and stuff, but I sort of mainly tried to kind of avoid it because it can be a bit of a totally yeah like, head fuck. Mm. Better to get it from the horse's mouth, like the kids yeah. coming to the shows and yeah, yeah. Well, we are here for two truths and a lie, so let's get into it. Um, what is your first truth? 
Um, I was going to talk about this elaborate school prank um, I did when I finished high school, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of like it's a bit of a scoop actually because I don't I, like there will be a fair few people at my school who wouldn't know that, like who was responsible. Oh, love um, it! Yes, love a scoop. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it's I think it's like long enough ago now that I'm you know that I can't be expelled <laughs> unless but, you're um, secretly still moonlighting in there. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, for some reason, like me and my like a good friend of mine, um, we like we we were kind of like oh we were really into the idea of doing a big prank and and so we started like this like this secret mission to do like an, a last day of grade twelve prank. Mm. And and then we, we recruited another person, so there was three of us, and um and we had a meeting, and so then we we had like this series of meetings where we were like, what if we did, you know, like we were like brainstorming like all different things, and we had ideas of like full on you know, creative all, sessions, all, yeah, exactly, and all these kind of stupid ideas of like, you know, like getting like releasing cows into the various rooms of the school, or we had an idea that we would like put super glue into all the locks of all the doors and just sort of like basically lock down the entire school. Our school did that once, one grade, <laughs> and got in so much shit. So yeah, much well, shit. it seemed really it seemed really exciting. So we ended up settling on this idea that which like looking back on it, I'm like, what a bizarre thing to do. But we decided we would buy a secondhand car. Um <laughs> and then we would take the car to like a secret location and cut the roof off it and turn it into a convertible like with an angle grinder Wow! and then like weld the doors shut and then we like spray painted it <laughs> with um with all these flowers um like a sort of 60s like flower power thing mm. and then we did like a version of our school's logo with a kind of you know slightly like sort of making fun of the school yeah um but like so so we we ha- and we we all developed code names, so we had we called the whole project the ensemble um, because we we did guitar ensemble, right? And so it meant that we could talk about it at school in front of people, and people would think we were talking about something else. So we'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, and, and we, so when we were working on it, we called it rehearsing for the ensemble, <laughs> and then we all had like different code names. So one of the guys was Yoko Ono, I was Fat Swaller, and then someone else was J Lo. Fat what? Fat Swaller, he's like an old jazz musician. Oh, okay. And um, and then we had like we had multiple vehicles involved, and we had like the vehicle was like called one vehicle was called like the violin, and so there was all like instruments that are music code yeah. names. And then we like on the night, so we had this car all prepped. Um, and then on the night we like went in the middle of the night we we drove down to this park. We had to use a car jack to like lift up like one of those wooden like pylon things that stops cars getting into parks. Yeah. And I was wearing all black. I think I even had a balaclava on. <laughs> and like um, I had like running spikes so I could push the car across the field. And we, we pushed this car like right into the middle of the school, like right on this bridge that's sort of in the centre of the school. And then we removed the wheels and chained it to the bridge. And then we went home and the next day sort of arrived at school and acted as if, you know, we didn't know anything about it and it was um What was the vibe? Yeah, was, Everyone was like, fuck that's cool or <laughs> Yeah, everybody was like um trying to work out who it was. Mm. And there was a couple of kids who were like much more kind of carry, like mechanic y type, you know, yeah. the kids who like read like car magazines yeah, yeah. and 
like you know drove drove cars and stuff and so everybody was suspecting them and and some of the kids who were like you know the sort of known sort of troublemakers but they didn't really suspect the kind of long-haired sort of guitar playing <laughs> like kids and, and and we were trying to you know do our best at acting like oh like putting in our theories as to who it was and stuff like that but um you know in the end, I mean it was super the, the funnest part was actually being in the in the um the garage like angle grinding off the roof of the car and like spray painting it like those those hours spent with my friends like preparing the convertible were like really magic and we did we did other stupid stuff like we did time trials of like how quickly we could get all the wheels off and you know we would like each have our moves and um so it was like it was a really fun project but on the day it was actually slightly anticlimactic yeah like, oh yeah cool whatever i mean such a big day your last day of grade 12 anyway but um, yeah, those are the funny things you do when you're young. But now I look back, I'm like, why did I even do that? That is that commitment, man. That's insane. <laughs> so it was like two months work or something for this, for this it prank. It must have been, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, we, I remember like, you know, we were looking through, um, you know, through the, the, the what's it called? Like the trading post. Oh, trying, yeah, to find, yeah. trying to find a cheap car and <laughs> had to go out and buy this car and then drive it back you know, back to some house and hide it and then do all the work on it and then drop it there on the day. And then, and the school were actually pretty, they, they, they didn't make a massive deal about it. Well, it's but not like, they, yeah, it, it doesn't, it wasn't harmful to the school or anything. You didn't damage no, public property. No. Or no. private. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Was it, does the year 12 prank thing, is that not a tradition at your school or? No, not really. I've, I've never oh. heard of anybody else doing a prank like really? up in around Brisbane. Was it big where you? Went yeah, to in Sydney, it's it's a it's a whole thing. Every year, there's uh-huh. a year twelve muck up. So, right, um, right, right. That was that was why I mentioned the locks, the glue and the locks thing. So one grade, a few years before us, did that, and they got in heaps of shit because the school had to change all the locks. Um, I can't remember what we did in our year. I think there was like, I think someone poured like acid or something on the lawn and drew a dick or something like that uh, yes. on the field. Classic, um, classic. <laughs> classic. See, yours classic was dick. more sophisticated. <laughs> ours it was, was certainly fun. I don't ours, know if it had much impact. Yeah, but ours was very, very 17-year-old. <laughs> mm. um, awesome. That's such a sick story. Um, cool. So what's your second truth? Um, I guess I was, just want to talk a bit about, like, you know, the day's the days before being a musician and, you know, being able to make a living from that and um, the d- different jobs I did. So um, I remember I used to love going to this music venue in Brisbane called The Troubadour. Mm. Um, it was like I felt like it was the coolest place in the world and the people who worked there were like – I was uh, like it used to make me nervous just talking to them and um, and they were so cool and, you know – there was all these gigs on there, and I just, I just found the whole place kind of magical. That, mm. that, it was a kind of really special little venue. It had this, like, kind of 70s, like, um, David Lynchy kind of vibe. And oh, cool. They would, and, and they kind of curated it with, like, pretty cool gigs and, like, DJs and things like that. And so I used to go up there and um, – You just wanted you know, to be part of it. Yeah. And then – so at, at a certain point, I, I got, like, the phone number of one of the – people who was the owner, Corey. And um, I was like, oh, I'd really love to get a job there. And I think one day she was short a staff member. And, and I, I think maybe I, I was just even in the venue and she was like, hey, we're down a staff member. Do you want to like, would you be able to just do glasses? And I was like, yes, oh my God, can you believe it? <laughs> I get to do glasses here. And so 
and I kind of spent the night like with a tray above my head, kind of like, you know, sort of wiggling between groups of like drunk and dancing people and, um, and did that my first shift. And then she called me and was like, Oh, you know, do you want to come and do glasses on the regular? And so I spent like, you know, I spent months just being there and being a part of it and getting to know them all. And, you know, it was, it was really special. And, um, and then I, you know, m- moved on to working behind the bar and, um, we used to have these amazing time, like, because a lot of the people who worked at that venue were musicians and songwriters themselves. So, mm. um, after, after the bar would close, we'd, you know, shut everything up and do the big clean up, and then we'd sit around and have a drink, and the the guitar would come out, and we'd, you'd you know, play Wonderwall. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, no, we'd like play our own songs and like, you know, learn each other's songs and sing harmonies and stuff. And it was really, it was like really good for songwriting and yeah. for, for encouraging us all to kind of write and um, That's things so like cool. that. So that was kind of like a really special time. And I also used to work on heaps of music festivals. So um, I worked in like a toasted sandwich van in England and um, we did like we, we'd go from festival to festival every summer um wow. making making toasted sandwiches and coffees and stuff till you know till 3am in the morning <laughs> um but i got to kind of see like glastonbury and um reading festival and the big chill and electric picnic in ireland and so i was kind of like surrounded by festivals mm. um how did you I get into I, that uh it was actually something that a little like a bunch of my friends what like one one friend went over and found this contact and then for a period of about five or six years, like someone from our crew would go each year and just do this run of festivals mm. and it would you'd sort of work in England and um, you'd work like all summer long and they, and they didn't, you didn't get paid. You didn't get paid until the very end. So for the whole Yikes. summer you'd just be like living with them and they would like give you all your food and beer and travel and everything and then at the very end – that the owner would like take you into some room and then just sort of pull out a big wedge of, of, of British pounds and sort of thumb <laughs> through them and sort of like sort of look at you and think how hard have you been working and then just handed <laughs> just like a wedge of cash. That's but then, so you know, cool. then you could continue your travels with. There's something very romantic about that idea, just like living on a little food truck, going around the English countryside doing music festivals. Yeah, I mean, and it was kind of like, I get, I mean, it must have been a while ago because I think it was kind of like pre, like sort of pre-smartphone and mm. like in, in, internet would have been around but not, not the way it is now. So, you know, you did live in a, you were kind of pretty present in yeah. the way that you live. Like you, you weren't kind of connected as much. And I, I, I always had a guitar with me and, um, you know, I guess I was always writing songs throughout all that time. It's now I kind of look back and I'm like, oh, it was kind of like important important time for me to kind of work on songwriting and things even though at the time it sometimes just felt like oh you know why do I drag this thing around the guitar Mm. um but I remember also back back in Australia um it wasn't that long ago like um when would it have been oh I don't know maybe like six years ago or something like around the maybe very early holy holy days Mm. I was working on Falls Festival in um Marion Bay in Tassie yeah um, and some friends of mine had decided that they were going to run a bakery at right. the festival. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a hand. I'll come and because I've done like heaps of hospitality. And uh, anyway, so we kind of we built this little bakery out of like 
just sort of what was it like scraps of like bits of tent and bits of plywood mm. and you know just whatever we could kind of find and um we had a friend who was a french baker and he was kind of like he had the plan that how we were going to do it but i sort of spent the you know like five days kind of building this bakery and then like we were making the pastry and um in this tent on the side it falls and and cooking um like uh cauliflower cheese pies and um like mexican bean pies and making coffees and things and i was i just remember it being it was really hard work because you sort of get up early in the morning and Mm. roll out all this pastry and then like baking and then like serving people washing dishes and things and um at a certain point i remember my friends actually that one of the guys with whom i did that prank that we talked about um, he and he ended up going on to become a sound engineer, and he was doing sound for the Jungle Giants. Oh, sick! Small world, at, huh? At lawn, and he was like, "Hey, man, I'm here. Like, um, do you want to come and let's catch up?" And he was like, "I'm in the, I'm in like the artist tent. Um, come, come in and 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 say hi." So I was like, "Cool." And I was like wearing like an apron, you know, like I was kind of dirty from like cooking, and I was like totally exhausted. And um, I sort of got, with my crew pass, I was able to get backstage, and then I like, went into this artist area. It was so beautiful and clean and like you know there was all these like chairs and lounges Mm. and like free bars and stuff and then I find this table and this this beautiful table and there's the jungle giants all sitting there looking like really fresh and happy not slaving um, over an oven yeah and they've all got like you know their their beautiful like artist meals and Anthony my my friend the sound engineer is there and having a beer and he's like hey man like what's happening I come take a seat and sat down with them and I remember just thinking I'm in the wrong game here. I, I I gotta I gotta change horses and stop like making you know, working making pies and mm. toasting sandwiches and, and try and see if I can do what these guys are doing. So oh, it was a it's bit been, of an epiphany. Yeah, yeah, a bit of an epiphany. Or I just remember thinking this would be so much nicer. Because I I was I was playing music back then, but you know, not very nothing was really connecting on a bigger level. So it's been fun to kind of now kind of see what that side of the life is like and now when you see a baker like backstage or at a festival you're like i've been there <laughs> yeah i feel your pain i know the struggle yeah i mean but some but that's that work can be really fun too um like there's nothing like working really hard with a bunch of friends and yeah um do, doing something you know that you're passionate about and, and festivals are kind of like that you tend to just work really hard for a short amount of time and mm. hopefully if the business is good then you make some bank totally well, business was good for you guys, I guess. Now you're doing this full we time. We did all right. We did all right, considering it was like, you know, kind of made up on the spot. Mm. The, the bakery, that is. Oh, right, right, right. Not you guys. <laughs> um, sick, Tim. All right. Well, last story. What's your lie? Lie. Well, the, a bit of a misconception about us that used to happen a bit more. I think it's sort of not happening as much now, but with the band name Holy Holy. Um, people sometimes think we're a Christian rock band. <laughs> um, fair call. <laughs> yeah, which I could kind of understand. It's yeah. fair enough. Especially because our, our first single was called Impossible Like You and it did have like all these like sort of pseudo-religious sounding kind of lyrics in yeah. it. And um, I remember there was a review. We got one review and the guy was just like, oh, like, holy, holy, the new Christian rock band on the, <laughs> you know, nothing interesting to see here except for some like guitar playing. And I was just like totally devastated, and I like I, I got all angry, and I wanted to like get in touch with the yeah. reviewer and be like, hey, like before you sort of state things as fact, you should like do some fact checking. Mm. But um, my manager was like, no, 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 don't, don't, like, don't do that. So we just kind of left it. But we've all, I've also had like um, 
I remember one time I, it was early on I did a gig and this this like um, young woman came up to me and she was like oh I'm really um, I'm really impressed with how open you are about your faith. And I was just like, oh, like, God, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and it's, 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 a, it's a tough one. I still haven't really developed like a good response because like I can I can see that in that moment it means a lot to her. Yeah, and true. And I just want to be like, oh, actually, you know, it's not really like – I'm not a believer, like, so was... Yeah, we're, we're non-believers. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and even recently when we, I did this, we did the signing in Sydney and – one one couple of young guys came up and they were wearing some kind of like uh, maybe they went to like some sort of strict kind of religious school, but they had these badges that said something like you know, something about the Church of Jesus Christ on them and stuff, and they were like getting merch signed. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. I wonder why <laughs> you guys are here. And then and then sometimes when I'm like meeting people and they're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a musician. Um, you know, tour, tour in a, a band, and they're like, "Oh, what's your band name?" And I'm like, "Holy, holy!" And then they always see this moment in their eye where they're like, "Oh, is he Christian?" <laughs> I guess so, the only way to like refute that is to make some big like political song about something not Jesusy, like. And yeah. you, don't, you guys don't strike me as the type to do that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to do a I song mean, with like hell in it or something. Yeah, I mean, I thought I, I remember in early days they used to sometimes like curse in my social media posts and stuff just to try and like get the message out that we weren't like um, we, we weren't weren't like that. But um, I don't know. As the band's kind of gone on now, like I, you know, I think oftentimes with band names, once the band gets to a certain level, then the band name I don't know it starts to just represent the band like. Mm. Like, like Red Hot Chili Peppers or like, you know, Radiohead. Like, you never actually think about, oh, what, what does that, what do those words mean, and like, what are they trying to say? You just kind of start to associate it with, you know, with the band. Yeah. So, so what I did? Sorry. So, so what did Holy Holy mean when you, or like, why did you choose that name? Uh, um, it was like a couple. It was like a lot of different things. I mean, um, I, I, I actually, I. I had a piano lesson with my – I was taking piano lessons for a while with this friend of mine um, in West End in Brisbane. And after one lesson one day he had a hash cookie and he was like, do you want to share this hash cookie and then we'll go <laughs> out to a gig? And I was like, yeah, sure, half a hash cookie. And we took it and then uh, it ended up being like extremely strong. Oh, no. And, we were, and I remember like being on the street in West End and, and, and he was like, I got to go home. And I was like, cool, man, I'm going to go home too. And um, I like – had to try and ride the bus and like just getting on the bus and like managing to get off the bus at the right <laughs> stop was like a mission. I just moved house. So I was like trying to find my new house and oh, dear. and I kind of crawled into bed and I just like pulled the blankets up to my eyes. And then I remember I like looked at my clock and it was 8 PM. So it was like super early and mm. I was just kind of like spinning through the universe. Um, and then I think my mobile phone rang and it was like, Oh my God, like somebody wants to talk to me. Um, but it was that night that I sort of was thinking about, like, I thought about the band name Holy Moly Man. Ah, Holy Moly um, Man. Yeah, like as a moniker. That's cute. I like that. Yeah, cool. I, there was this there was this band that was around years ago called By Cape, Where Cape Fly. Mm. And and so something I, I like, I always remembered that band name and I thought, oh, Holy Moly Man as like a moniker for like a solo project would be cool. Yeah. And I think I texted uh, that night as I was tripping, I texted my friend and I was like, what do you think Holy Moly Man <laughs> as a band name and he was like it's shit and I was like <laughs> okay cool but um I sort of kept the holy part and then 
I had this fascination with double words and I was like, holy, holy. And I like the way, like, when you put it in block, aerial, like, the repetition is really satisfying because, yeah. like, the H and the O and the Y, you can flip them all so they're kind of, like, it's kind of just beautiful the way it looks mm-hmm. and um, and also, like, fundamentally, like, I think music at its best is kind of can be, like, a holy experience. Mm. Yeah, I love that. But you could have been holy moly, man. Could have been. Could have been. I don't know if I could have convinced Oscar, but (laughs) I remember like before, before we launched the band name, I was like, I was like, what do you think of holy holy? Um, And and definitely people were like, oh yeah, it could work. Yeah, it's not bad. But Mm. it wasn't like, yeah, that's an awesome band name. And I remember then when we were in the studio recording the first album, we had one of those like letter board things that you can, they're like a light box that you can put letters in, you know, those things. Yep. And, and I remember, like, a producer, Matt, like, just put Holy Holy in it and just had it just sort of shining in the studio just to kind of start, like, looking at it and seeing how it felt. Getting your head around it, and, yeah. And I remember it started feeling kind of exciting as we were writing these songs and recording these songs and looking up and seeing that kind of Holy Holy glowing on the box. It was like, yeah, this feels good. Um, let's do it. Awesome. That's such a good story. Well, I think if people hear this one, they'll uh, they might... <laughs> might find and clear things up for people. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, clear, clear up everything. Yeah, that's it. Well, you better tell people to listen to it. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Tim, for your time. These are such um, such awesome stories. I love I love the whole epiphany moment and the prank, very dedicated. Yeah, weird. Yeah, um, weird too, yes. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah, thank you. It's nice to it's nice to chat with you. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you so much and yeah, have an amazing rest of your tour. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, bye.